Yeah, so, my dog doesn't um, even react to squirrels, rabbits, lizards. Like, yeah. We were on a walk and like a rabbit was like literally a foot away. My dog just looked at it and just kept going. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm bothered. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Without a Roadmap. This is the podcast for product folks who don't know all the answers. My name is Jonas. I'm joined by my co-host, Cameron. What's going on, everybody? Um, we are in episode two of our latest series, The Product Mythbusters. Uh, last week, we gave a little general overview of the common misconceptions on like the general product manager role. And today, we were going to focus on um, kind of the misconceptions and myths about the day-to-day of a product manager in a company regardless of what size or where you are um, from our perspective at least um, don't want to speak for every PM in the world out there because as we've learned product is done differently at every company and we probably have a pretty unique case um, of how we do product here at Parler ourselves um, so just to, to kind of run through quickly before we dive into each topic um, we have four of them today First one being um, PMs just ideate new features. Second being, which is pretty related to the first one, um, product management should be just be all about adding new features and not improving or removing any existing features within your product. Third one being, once uh, a feature is launched, the PM job is finished. And then the last one we'll wrap up with today is that PM should only focus on the roadmap and not customer interest. Let's get into it. All right, so PMs just ideate new features um, came to me because in the uh, in the process of getting into the product management role and like job application process, that was what kind of drew me into the uh, the space. And you know, I thought that it was this cool, uh, creative role where you spent a lot of your time, um, kind of like you know, in the creative thought process of developing solution pontification <laughs> was, was a lot of what I was looking for. And, you know, kind of the, the, the mix between uh, design and product strategy. I thought that was like, you know, just kind of standard fare for a product manager. Um, but, you know, as I've kind of learned, uh, you know, on the job, that's, Definitely. And then just also learning more and networking with other PMs, you know, just kind of developing an understanding for the role that first off, um, the like majority of people with a standard PM role, um, you know, actually aren't doing any feature ideation. Um, so you think about, you know, your average PM is as a individual contributor is actually more focused on the day to day with a kind of you know, helping take somebody's product strategy or, or an existing kind of uh, understanding of the direction the product needs to go and, and, you know, kind of, you know, helping with the day-to-day tasks to, to kind of execute on that. And a lot of that, you know, might include creative, creative ways of kind of feature ideation, but in the most cases, you're, you're kind of helping shepherd through somebody else's idea. Um, you know, I, I don't want to take away from that. That's a super important part of the job. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of that kind of falls under like the project management kind of uh, roles and responsibilities a lot. Uh, and also kind of better understanding, uh, you know, the underlying causes for why somebody should, you know, ideate a new feature uh, but that someone is usually going to be somebody above the product manager like a senior pm or uh you know a director of product so uh, that's that's kind of the first piece you know your your job as a pm and kind of that more junior pm role um 
isn't really feature ideation. A lot of times you're, you're kind of trying to understand the customers, understand the product problem space and use that information and provide that, you know, so that, uh, you know, as a team, you can figure out what the best way forward is. And then once that, you know, feature is kind of, uh, you know, conceptualized, you can help take that to, uh, you know, through development. Um, but, you know, I think a senior PM is, or somebody more senior in the product uh, team is, is generally involved in the feature ideation, but that also just depends on the size of your company. Yeah. Also depends, not depends, but I feel like you can do some form of feature ideation. Like it could be a very, on a very, very small level, like, like kind of micro optimizations of the product based on the area you own as a product manager. So Say, for example, you're assigned an area of a product um, or a feature set and you're spying on your users and full story. You may think of some, some optimizations that you think could improve like the overall user experience that you can then bring up with your manager. Like, hey, I saw this happen um, and I think we should do X, Y, Z in order to uh, provide a better user experience. I think, although like, it's not like the big flashy features that people probably think of, um, it is a very important part of... Um, being a product person, like figuring out ways to improve the user experience from existing features, even though they may not be the brand new flashy ones that get all of the marketing praise and the big launches and all that stuff like that. But I, I do yeah. agree with you. Like when you're first starting now, you're usually taking um, direction from your manager or whoever that is can be senior PM, director of PM, uh, VP, CEO. Um, yeah. Your product <laughs> <could be>, visionaries. <laughs> yeah. It could be whoever it is. You're pretty much taking uh, either that vision or those features and reverse engineering, which is a pretty crucial step in, in uh, building out your, your product toolkit as you kind of progress throughout your, your product career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm curious, like, the, do you feel like that's uh, you know, does that take away from the role to you? The fact that you're not involved like heavily in the, in the ideation piece? Or do you find it, you know, exciting that you're kind of more involved in understanding the problem rather than kind of, uh, you know, developing your own solution? Um, I think starting off, it, I, I feel like it's probably more exciting in understanding the problem and kind of trying to understand why um, your product. the why. Yeah, yes. yeah, there you go. Understand why, like the product visionary or whoever the leading the product direction is choosing to prioritize those features and why it's doing the, what it should be. Um, I feel like when you first start a product, you probably have all these different ideas. Like, hey, we should do this. We should do that. We should do this. Because mm-hmm. like you use products every day. Like you're on your iPhone every day. You're using products on the internet. Using all these SaaS tools, you probably have your own ideas of how to improve different SaaS products or how to improve your own product if you're not in product management. Um, but sometimes, I would say when you first start off, they're probably not always the best ideas to go forward with immediately. Um, and then, and so taking the direction from whoever your manager is and um, getting in the reps of reverse engineering uh, the, pro- the product features and just going through all those reps, it kind of like builds out your product toolkit and like your product instincts into mm-hmm. like what's a good design, what's a good solution, um, trying to, trying to uh, think out, think through all the edge cases and building the feature. Like, so the product person could say, hey, we want to do this. And they don't think through all the different edge cases that a user could go through and potentially break the system. I think that's mm-hmm. pretty important once you're, as you progress in your product career, because when you're handing things off to your engineering team, um, if you can account for as many edge cases as possible in the beginning, it saves development time and you can, um, you can build more features faster 
in a shorter, shorter amount of time. That's always something you want to optimize for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of having to go back and, oh, we forgot to add this. We've had a bug once it's been released and you could have identified it a month ago. It's like, ah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but at the same time, if you don't build that, that kind of understanding, that groundwork, and you try and jump straight into feature ideation, like that's, that's where you might run into some kind of uh, fundamental issues with like not, you know, understanding the reason why and just jumping straight to a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think it is important that you, you kind of early in your career are uh, kind of grounding yourself in, right. uh, in humble yourself, humble self. Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, going into the second point, it's pretty similar, I would say, to just ideating new features being a common misconception. Um, the second point being uh, product management is all about adding new features and not improving or removing existing ones. Um, I think it's pretty important to always be refi- refining, and there's a big thing in product management iteration, always iterating on existing products, especially if it's like your core product features and workflows. Um, those can always be those can always be improved, especially as you add additional features. Um, and I feel like if you're not always wary of the features you already have, and you're only focused on just um, adding more and more and more, you can run into a, a bunch of problems. The main one standing out to me is that you run into a product that's just full of bloated features that not everybody is using, and people aren't really finding the value in the new features you're you're, you're pushing out. So if you're just building a whole bunch of new features, you can end up having a product full of just different point solutions that don't really connect, connect to each other. And so you like, you have list of features over there, list of features on, over there, and then they're just all doing their own thing and they're not telling like one cohesive story. And then that also can kind of go against like your product strategy. So if you're designed to do X, Y, Z, and you're building features that, um, align with the new strategy, but then you also have ex- uh, existing features that don't really align anymore. Like how do you ad- address those existing features to kind of match your new product strategy and positioning so that you're telling one cohesive story for your customers and then also the prospects that let, are going to be getting demoed of the product and see like, oh, this is what I'm buying the product for. Yeah, yeah, no, that's super important, especially when you're working at like an earlier stage company where you're still kind of piecing together uh, what the story or, you know, the, the kind of end to end workflow is, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, you know, not to be specific to SAS, but you know, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's what I can speak to. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. And it's really important that you're, you're able to tell that story and, you know, just thinking about what the next feature is going to be, uh, you know, isn't always going to be helpful to, to kind of completing that story. And exactly. Yeah. Um, and it, as PMs, we love to, you know, kind of put out the sexy, shiny new features. That's that's what we get excited about. Mm-hmm. But um, I personally get really excited about the ability to kind of um, kind of put something out and then kind of continually watch and learn and speak with customers and better understand how to improve upon it. Um, because I feel like that's that's always uh, it's it's not as exciting. You know, it's not you don't put out a big release for for V2 generally. Um, but I don't know there's something there's something cathartic about kind of phasing out a release, you know, breaking it into, you know, a couple different stages and being able to watch it grow and um, you know, it's like a it, seedling just sprouting yeah. out to the world. <laughs> 
Yeah. And it's like, sometimes you just want to get something out quickly and you don't have time to put, put out the, you know, the, the whole shebang. So you get what you can out there quickly to, to, you know, try and uh, provide some value, watch, Mm -hmm. um, you know, how your, your users interact with it. Uh, And then in the meantime, kind of on the back end, you're, you're thinking about what round two is. Sometimes it's already kind of planned out from the get go. Ideally it is. Um, And you get to kind of iterate and slowly kind of, just like a slow drip, you know, yeah, it's like, a, I mean, you could make like, the argument that you should be doing it like that because you should mm-hmm. um, let your, your customers, your users try to guide that new feature and let them tell you what's most important. So you just give them yeah. like the base foundation. And then from there, you try to iterate with your customers, the whole customer collaboration um, um, model we try to do here and let them help you build what's the most valuable and best product you can especially for, for parlor, uh, you know, being relatively early, um, definitely growing, uh, you know, we, we have so many things that, you know, all of our customers want and, you know, it's not always the same and, you know, you have varying levels of priority based on who it is, how it fits into your roadmap and such and such. And so, you know, a lot of it is basically being able to understand like, what can you get out quickly enough that's going to provide enough value. Um, and then, you know, either, worry about the f- next phase when somebody bugs mm-hmm. you about it and says what's what's good with the rest of this right or uh, you know and in the meantime work on the next thing work on the next piece that's you know might not be uh, completely related but is providing value to another segment right provide 20 percent of the functionality to get 80 percent of the value that's mm-hmm. the that's the, the motto that's though. the motto <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for now for now yeah for now for now we'll get there <laughs> Uh, so that kind of following up on that, um, something that I hear a lot, especially, um, you know, earlier in my PM career, my already, you know, young PM career was that the, uh, the product manager's job was, is done once the feature has been launched. And, um, you know, that's, that's something that I know to be wrong, uh, you know, now and, you know, kind of laugh at um, because it's far from done. Obviously, there's tons of iteration required. Um, you know, you're breaking down features into multiple phases and in, in, in order to, you know, understand, uh, you know, to provide immediate value. Um, but also after a, a feature is launched, um, there's so much more that you need to learn. And, and oftentimes what you learn might actually be that the, the feature isn't, you know, being successful, um, it's, you know, it's really sad to say, but, um, you know, and not at parlor, but at my last company, we've, we had to sunset some features. Um, in one case, we actually sunset the entire, you know, product. Essentially we basically, you know, we, we, we moved away from our, our legacy, uh, platform. And that was, you know, that was for the, you know, for the better, that was, uh, you know, we just spent a lot of time redeveloping it from the ground up. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the, at a high level. Um, How did that work? Like when you, so if you're sunsetting, cause I was kind of involved with this on my last company, I didn't ever see it to fruition because I left before then. Um, but we were doing the same thing. Um, we had, we were uh, building a new product from the ground up and we had customers on our old legacy products. So how did you guys like transition those users from the legacy one over to the new one was just like a brand new login, new app, like, Hey, just log in here with the same credentials and you'll be good to go. 
Yeah, so we gave folks the opportunity to transition over the new version, obviously, um, but we also left the legacy version open. And I think to this day, it's still, you know, accessible. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, some people swear by it, you know, I mean, actually, I imagine that since we worked on a, it was an ed tech platform for medical school students, I would hope that all the people who were using legacy <laughs> have graduated. <laughs> I think that was, that was kind of the idea that, you know, you know, at least like four years from now, maybe six to eight for folks who struggle with the step one uh you know they they should probably have moved on and i think you know at this stage that you know it's probably yeah they, um, they, either, course. they either graduated or they just it wasn't for them <laughs> it wasn't for them yeah i saw a lot of those r.i.p um, but yeah, so it was, it was definitely an interesting process because a lot of people, we told you, like we told them straight up, you know, we're not going to continue to improve this. This is, there's mm -hmm. going to be some, you know, issues. You're, you're not going to have a great experience. We highly recommend you to transition over. Not everybody did. Uh, and you know, we kept our word. We didn't continue to provide any <laughs> updates. You know, people would reach out like asking for, for support on, on the legacy platform. We're just like, hey, actually we have a whole new feature or a whole new product that uh, we'd highly recommend you transition over to. Um, and you know, so it's, it's a lot of product marketing. It's a lot of, uh, you know, communication. That was a B2C, uh, B2C business at the time. So, uh, you know, it's not like we're losing any big customers because we mm. weren't, you know, up uh, maintaining our, uh, you know, the old plot, the legacy platform, but, um, you know, it's, it just, it was just, uh, something that people had to get used to. And for the people who did, um, you know, I think they got a lot more value out of it, mm -hmm. um, but about the, the, the feature launch, not being the end all be all, um, you know, it's, it's really, uh, you know, you have to understand that, uh, you know, you have to understand that it needs to be iterated upon, but at the same time, um, when it's not doing well, uh, that you have to kind of, think about what the what the next steps might be otherwise um, you know sunsetting is not the only option uh, you can you know kind of re-envision the the feature by kind of looking back at the problem that you were trying to address mm -hmm. uh, and you know before that you have to understand like what your uh, success criteria were in the first place like why do you think it's failing mm -hmm. um, so there, there's a there's a ton that happens after after a feature is launched uh, you know I guess I've only been speaking about the negative the positive is you know you get to watch people engaging with it um, you get to set up uh, you know different KPIs to measure success within that feature um, and then track those um, communicate with the users to understand what they like about it what could be better uh, and then continue to, to kind of build off that so that's to me, like one of the, I think I mentioned it last uh, in the last um, myth that, you know, continuing on a feature is one of my favorite things. Yeah. And I think also to add in there, it's um, kind of like the education around the new product feature. So you may be doing this before it's actually launched with your other like sales folks, customer success support to just teach everybody how the new functionality works. Um, but if you're not, you probably do it after the feature is launched, um, especially if you do like a, a slow launch or like a beta launch or whatever it is. Um, just teaching people how to use it. I feel like that's fascinating, especially internally, because they probably provide you the most honest feedback, um, direct one-to-one one, one one, when you're just saying, hey, this is how the feature works. So you may get some, some fascinating insight just because you've been li living and breathing the feature for however long it took you to develop it. So you may yeah. think everything is just so obvious and how to use it, but then once you put it in front of other people and they start asking questions like, wait, how do you do this? And 
you know it's a lot of you just hey just click this button but they can just be lost in the sauce and not ever find the button they need to actually click to start the new functionality yeah absolutely <laughs> so i feel like that's probably one of the the ones i would add to there as well it can either be frustrating or it could be amazing depending on on how that goes <laughs> the education yeah. part um I would say the last one of the, the wrap up for today would be part of the one that we may talk about most is that PM should only focus on the roadmap and not customer interest. What mm. do you think about that one? I don't know. I, I might take away the only, I don't know if anybody's saying only focus on the roadmap, you know, cause customer interests are, you know, can, can obviously fall on the roadmap and, you know, at the end of the day, you're only you're building for you know ideally your top priority is is to you know build for what you think is going to bring revenue to the company um you know i guess you, yeah there's some some yeah is, is that always not the, the customer case. interest or is it like you're some customer the customers are bringing you revenue and you know if keeping them happy is your you know top priority as a product manager um then then yeah they are always kind of a priority on the roadmap but uh i guess it depends at the stage of the company and your product strategy because maybe you're thinking about your long-term roadmap and uh you know in order to get there you have to really go heads down this kind of like parlor at our earlier days where we needed to go heads down and and as a result we um decided to to not close some big customers so that we could focus on that long-term vision rather than spending all this time building this these like customized workflows for you know enterprise companies um you know so i think that was the right decision for us in the in the short term uh and in the long term uh even though we didn't you know get that you know whoever knows how much you know what company I'm talking about would have paid us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't talk about. Yeah, I, but it, it it still uh, was better for us in the long run because we were able to go heads down and and uh, kind of a, attack our our long term product goals. And uh, I think the the product and the company is better off for it. Mm -hmm. You know, right now, so it it really it's going to vary. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like it, definitely, the roadmap should be guided by a customer interest. Um, but there are going to be some items um, that you know, you just need to do, whether that's in the customer interest or it's just not obviously aware of how the customer would value from it. One case being um, like, like, like maybe feature flagging your product to kind of gate um, your product so that when you have different tiers, not everybody can get the, the certain tiers because the, every certain features are behind a paywall that you have to either upgrade to or just actually buy the product. Um, which are actually the same thing now I'm thinking about that. <laughs> um, so like, that's not obviously in the customer interest, but you know, you need to do it, do it for like your business. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I think that could be not by, guided by a customer interest, but I think there's always like that, that percentage split where hopefully you're leaning more towards providing functionality features that are in your customer interest, whether that's coming directly from the customer, like, Hey, I want X, Y, Z, or you just know that they want it, but they haven't actually asked for it yet. Like, you know, it's a gap that's going to be brought up in the short term, maybe long term, if you don't address it now. And sometimes it's just more like back end technical stuff that you need to do in order to shore up like the business objectives you set for the company. Yeah. And yeah, so it's definitely not so uh, black and white. It's it's gonna vary. Um, this, yeah. this is a, this is probably the toughest one because um, I I feel like as a pro as a customer feedback company, 
um, we recognize how important customer feedback is, uh, and it, you know it always deserves a place on your roadmap. But at the same time, you don't want it to cloud your judgment and you know keep you from from building what you think is is going to be important to your company long term. And I think that especially goes for earlier stage companies who you mm-hmm. know are are kind of building out a product and they kind of recognize where they need to be in the long term, but also have those right. you know customers in the short term who you know might need some you know, point solution and you mm-hmm. might be able to provide it, but, uh, you know, don't let it, don't let it kind of take you off the path. And it's also going to vary based on some other factors, like the amount of money you have in the bank, you know, as a startup, if you're running low on money, then like, you know, who cares about your long-term vision? You're going to go out of business. So, right. you know, you know, in that case, keeping customers happy is, you know, should be your number one priority. But, you know, if you're a more established company or you just raised and you got some got some bread to, to play with, then, you know, uh, I, I think, you know, you, you could definitely make the case that uh, focusing on your, your roadmap and, you know, I would say maybe your, your product vision because, you know, roadmap could have obviously include customer interests, mm-hmm. uh, you know, could be a priority as well. Yeah, that's a good point because... Like in the startup world, if you're trying to capitalize on like a market opportunity where no one's really solving for it now, um, you obviously want to prioritize that vision. Um, just because you don't want a competitor to get there before you do. And so you try to have that balance of you're striving towards like the the market opportunity you see while also keeping like your current customers happy. So always trying to find that exactly mm-hmm. that ratio and that balance. And obviously it'll shift over time, like as you get closer to fulfilling the like the, the V1 of product market fit because product market fit is always ever evolving. I would say you can probably slow down on um, the roadmap being so guided towards like that vision and try to focus on the customers that you may have ignored and however many months or weeks that you focused heads down on striving towards that um, product market vision that you, that you thought of, which is probably the, the art of a PM. How, how do you constantly decide what to do in that the ever evolving battle you might be giving us a little bit too much uh credit i don't know too many pms who are making those calls <laughs> the, the art of products the art of yeah, product yeah, art of, yeah yeah i art thought product. it's product management as a as a whole that, that's the yeah art. yeah how to prioritize things accordingly mm. a seminar by cameron curry nah <laughs> not there yet but that is about it for episode two of the series here's did we change your mind on anything did we uh, illuminate anything interesting please let us know because we're going to do two more episodes of this yeah let us know if we're just chatting and this is not helpful at all <laughs> <laughs> hopefully it is um because we have been asked I would say quite a quite a bit over the last year since especially for me since starting that parlor and being more out there uh, on LinkedIn and just actually having a podcast to speak about stuff. I have heard people ask me like what is product management? What do you do on a day to day? And that's always a changing answer because product management is always a different day. There's no one set day where you do the same things over and over again. Exactly. Yeah. This idea came from the people. We listen to feedback. Uh, so, you know, hopefully everybody's finding this useful. Um, if not, tell us to shut up. <laughs> and on that <laughs> note, we will see you next week. <laughs>